Welcome to Chase Oaks. We are so glad that you're here. We are starting a brand new series called Famous Last Words, looking at the final statements of Jesus. The reason we're doing that is because what we know to be true is that what a person says last is usually what's most important to them. Whenever it's someone's last hour, their final words, we find out what they truly, truly value. And the reality is, whether you're a Christian watching this message or you've been a Christian for a long time, there is so much conjecture right now about what it means to be a Christian. And most people are making the mistake of looking to Facebook to figure out what Christians are all about. And that's a bad place to go to find out about Christianity. If you're watching this message and you're simply curious about who Jesus is, here's what I would encourage you to do. You want to look at Jesus's last words. It will tell you everything that Jesus was really about. Uh, I love famous last words. Uh, Winston Churchill's famous last words were, I'm bored with it all. I'm bored with it all. The, the uh, famous orator, someone that could walk people through uh, the, the war, and, and he was such a, a, a famous figure, but he slipped into a coma and, and actually died Nine days later, and all that he saw, he went, eh, I'm bored with it all. Here's another famous last words, and it's from Bob Marley's. He said, money can't buy life. Money can't buy life. Here's what he said to his son. Famous last words. It was like you got this picture of going, hey, I've had a lot of success in my life, but you know what it can't give me? It can't give me life. Perspective. And what we're going to be looking at in this series is we see Jesus hanging on a cross. In some of his final moments, we find out exactly what Jesus is truly all about. The famous last words I'm going to be looking at are found in Luke chapter 23. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today... You will be with me in paradise. These are the last words of Jesus I want us to zoom in on tonight. We have an interesting situation here. We've got Jesus on a cross who doesn't deserve to be there. And then we have two criminals. A lot of scholars speculate that they were thieves. Uh, Crucifixion was a punishment reserved for Enemies of the state, so to speak. Romans reserved crucifixion for someone they wanted to humiliate. In fact, Romans wouldn't even crucify their own people. It was only when they wanted to make a spectacle of someone else to say, hey, we want to show everyone this lesson. No one's going to mess with us. Sometimes it was a runaway slave. Sometimes they stole something from a political figure. It, it, It had to be something egregious. Typically, if someone had done anything to make the Roman government look bad, they went out of their way to say, you know what? No, 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 no. 
No one else is ever going to do what you did to us. We're going to make a spectacle of you. So there are three men who are being made a spectacle, trying to show the world a little bit of a lesson. And what we gather from the passage is that one criminal simply says, hey, we are getting what we deserved. And there are two interesting responses that both criminals have towards Jesus. The first criminal, we're going to call him criminal number one, says, hey, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Don't you hear a little bit of the sarcasm in the, aren't you the Messiah? I mean, come on, get your act together. If you really all that in a bag of chips, then why don't you go ahead and get us out of this situation? You can also feel the disconnection from criminal number one. There is this, man, eh, Jesus is over there. You, you're, you're claiming to be something. And I wonder how many people find themselves in that situation. Expecting, well, Jesus, when are you just going to do something for me? Well, then the second criminal says this. He says, Jesus. Well, one, he calls him by name. He's like, I've heard of this guy. I, I'm not, I haven't yet become a follower of him, but... I know this guy. And while I didn't do right, he did. And he has this awareness of who Jesus is. And he also has this awareness of the things he's done. Because we're getting what our deeds deserve. And then, in a moment, Jesus delivers same-day paradise. Do you ever think about that? Same day paradise. He goes, hey, today, be with me in paradise. Talk about amazing grace. Talk about somebody who is on a cross going, we're getting what we deserve, who's now getting what he does not deserve. Paradise with Jesus on the same day he's crucified. It's amazing what you find out about Jesus and who he gives grace to and who we won't give grace to. It's very interesting how we sort of make our categories for who we want to love, who we want to forgive, and who we want to extend grace to. But the Jesus system of doing things, the Jesus perspective on life is full of amazing Grace. He taught about his amazing grace in Matthew chapter 20. It's the parable of workers in the vineyard. It says this, it says, this will help you understand the way heaven's kingdom operates. There once was a healthy landowner who went out at daybreak to hire all the laborers he could to find work in his vineyard. After agreeing to pay them the standard day's wage, he put them to work. And then he goes out and starts recruiting workers. He does this at 9 a.m. He then does it at noon. He then does it at 3 p.m. And then he does it even at 5 p.m. When there's only a couple of hours left for work. And then scripture tells us, so he said to them, then go and join my crew and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard went to his foreman and said, Call in all the laborers, line them up 
and pay them the same wages, starting with the most recent ones I hired and finishing with the ones who worked all day. I mean, right away. Something's up. Something's backwards in this kingdom that Jesus is trying to explain to us. His ranking system is completely different. And then it says, when they realized what had happened, they were offended and complained to the landowner saying, you're treating us unfairly. They've only worked for one hour while we've labored and sweated all day under the scorching Texas sun. It don't say that, but you get it. You know what I mean? You've made them equal to us. The landowner replied, friends, I'm not being unfair. I'm doing exactly what I said. Didn't you agree to work for their standard wage? If I want to give those who only worked for an hour equal pay, what does that matter to you? Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Why should my generosity make you jealous of them? And then he says, this he says, now you can understand what I meant when I said that. The first will end up last, and the last will end up being first. Everyone is invited, but few are chosen. I, during the uh, ice storm that took place uh, a few weeks ago, um, I can't speak for all of the husbands and fathers watching or in the building, but... Whenever I saw all of this snow on the ground, whenever I heard, you know, you're really not going to be able to get out of your neighborhood, my first thought was, well, my car's got snow mode, so we're going to get out of this neighborhood. Like, and I saw it as an opportunity. Like, I don't know if you were like trying to, ladies, I don't know if you're trying to keep your husbands inside because they were like trying to prove something outside, but I found a reason to leave the house every single day, okay? Like, I was just looking for stuff to do. I'm like, we need gas. All right, let me go. Like, like any excuse to go drive in the snow. I'm just like, oh, I'm from Chicago. This snow ain't going to bother me. I got this. And, and so I kept leaving the house to find, like, restaurants that were open that definitely were not open. But I would just so arrogantly tell my wife, hey, this place is open. I'm going to go get you something. What you want? I'm, I'm going. I'll be back. I'll be back. And I would quickly realize that once you got out of your neighborhood, these restaurants were definitely closed. Now, every husband under the sound of my voice knows if you make a promise to your wife that you're going to bring her home a snack, you better not fail. Okay? And so I told my wife, I said, hey, um, I'm going to go get you some Starbucks. I got you. She's like, Ryan, are you sure Starbucks is even open? I said, yeah, babe, of course it's open. It's Starbucks. Like, we, people got to drink coffee. Just listen to a little snow on the ground. We'll be all right. They might not have power, but they, I'm sure they're brewing something. We're going to get it together. Don't worry about it. She's like, okay, but it better be open. Sure enough, pulling the Starbucks. It's closed. And I thought, Lord, I need you to come through right now because I cannot come home empty-handed. I, I, I won't be able to come back home. I'm going to have to go find a hotel, and the hotels were booked. So I'm like, I'm, like, I'm really in a rock and a hard place right now. Thank God for Target, right? It's like I look across, and I, and I actually call my wife and say, Hey, babe, 
I know I'm just going to take one on the chin. I digress. I apologize. Forgive me. My arrogance is caught. You're right. Starbucks is definitely not. And then I see the target. I said, but I will not fail you. Okay. And so I got off the phone. I run into Target and I see the longest line of people at the Starbucks in Target because apparently there were other husbands who had made similar promises. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to have to stand in line. I don't care how long it takes me to do this. Like, we're going to make this happen. And so this long was so long. I probably stood in line maybe 40, 45 minutes. And they had one worker, one Starbucks barista. And this lady, I'm telling you what, she was like an octopus. I swear she had eight arms. She was, she, she was taking orders. and ma- I mean, she was sweating. And I'm just like, this poor lady. I'm like, I can't believe she has to, like, serve all of us. And so um, I know uh, one of the ladies that works there at Target. And I, I just said, hey, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm feeling generous right now. You know, I, I said, you know, why, why don't we... Why, 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 don't we, why don't we help the line? You know, somebody had actually given me a $100 Starbucks gift card. I said, hey, why don't, why don't we just cover the line? Hey, here, somebody gave this to me. Listen, just, just let them have it. Well, this lady decides to tell everyone in line that they could have a free drink. I said, I don't know if $100 is going to cover everybody's drink. You, you, didn't, you didn't took it to a new level. Now i got to give you more money than I would anticipate giving. But that's fine. Hey, it, it, it's a pandemic right now. Things, things are hard right now. And so I, I went to my, to my friend and I said, hey, here, here's 40 bucks. Would you just, just give her a tip? She's working hard. She's sweating. And it's, I, I just think what she's doing is great. And, man, we've got this craziness going on right now. And here she is doing her best to get us all our, our Starbucks, you know, like wh- wh- what kind of world do we live in right now? And, and all of a sudden, another worker showed up and everything inside of me went, oh, no, 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 go ahead back to the break room because the tip is for this lady. It's not for you. No, no, no. And they've got a tip jar where they split. I'm going, no, 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 no. You have not been here. You have not been through what we've been through together. We shared this experience. But this is the Jesus system. He's going, we don't play that game. That's not how my generosity works. My generosity, when I give it away, I'm I'm giving it away to anyone that's willing to accept it. Anyone that's willing to come to me, own what they've done, and know who I am and say, yeah, I surrender. Yeah, amazing grace. And it's, it's, it's not the way our system works. Our system is based off of, well, a couple of things. The first thing is, is based off of is wealth. If you have enough money, well, you get to be, what, first in line. You get to be first class. You get to stay in nicer rooms. You get to, again, I, I made some money, so, again, I'm, I'm going to get what I deserve. If you've got more followers, there's certain perks to it. If you have more beauty or you're prettier, other people think that you are. There's, there's perks. You get to be in the front of the line. If you get some degrees, it's this idea. I went to school. I paid my dues. And so I, that, that means I, I get certain things. I have certain advantages in life. And then there's just the old-fashioned 
hard work. That's our system. That's what if you work hard, then you deserve to play hard. We have our deserve system. But that's not how God's relationships work at all. If, if you start to do that, if you start to go to God with this, I deserve stuff with this. Do you see what I've been doing all day in the sun stuff? We will end up just as confused as the vineyard workers. Going, wait, 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 what? You mean everybody's going to if they come to you, they're going to all of us get the same grace. Do you know how long I've been praying and they get that now? Are you serious? But here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. When it comes to our relationship with God, it's never based off of our hard work. It's based off of his work. That's what it's all about. And I don't know about you. I do know about me. Sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I get so busy, wrapped up in going, I'm going to make this happen. Sometimes I get so caught up in this, I deserve thing. Jesus is going, you're going to get what I earned for you. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's love. Nothing. None of us are that good. Jesus is. What we see in these famous last words of Jesus is him offering same day grace to somebody you and I would go, well, 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 they they didn't they didn't give what I gave to the church. I mean they they he he's not he doesn't serve. You've never you've never seen this guy serving in the children's ministry. You've never seen him hold the door, you haven't and yet here I am, stuck in line. It's not fair. What the famous last words of Jesus tell us is, number one, it's never too late to turn to Jesus. It's never too late to turn to Jesus. Uh, you might have some church hurt in your life. You may have been hurt by another Christian. You may have... A lot of things that have happened in your life that have gotten you to a place where you go, you know what? I'm not sure if that Jesus stuff is for me. You might actually be at a place in your life where you think, and I have a lot of friends in this, in this category, especially when I invite them to church. There is this idea of I will come to Jesus once I get my act together. Once I clean up something. Right now is not a good time. For me to do the whole Jesus thing, because a lot of people think that Jesus people are people that have their stuff together. But what they don't know is that we're just a bunch of people that brought our stuff to Jesus and did something powerful in our life. So we're not subscribing to some sort of behavior modification program. What we've experienced is soul transformation. And so if you're thinking about, well, when is, when is it going to be a good time? Today. Right now. Jesus has a plan for your life. And it would be a shame if you missed it. 
It is never too late to turn to Jesus. And now is as good of a time as any to say, Lord, what could you do with my mess? One of the things that we say at Chase Oaks is that you can really just come just as you are. We really believe that statement. That's, that's not a... And you would be surprised who's in the crowd. You'd be shocked as to who's watching online and has yet to change their behavior yet. But yet they've invited Jesus to say, Lord, is there something that you could do? Could you meet me where I'm at? You might be in a dark place right now. Guess what? God works in the dark. And will meet you right where you are. And I don't know that our world knows about that Jesus that much. And I wish they did. The second thing that I think we learn from Jesus' famous last words is number two. We should be extensions of God's amazing grace to other people. Have you ever accidentally discovered what one of your colleagues makes and you found out that they might make a little bit too much for your comfort? Like, you were okay with what you made until you found out what they made. And you're like, whoa, hey, nah, this is, wait, a, wait just a minute. You've been at the company for 10 years. They've been there six months. You're always early. They're always late. You're loyal. They're floating their resume right now. You haven't even been able to use your vacation days. They're faking COVID and got 14 days off. And you're going, they make what? It's not fair. It's frustrating. But the Jesus system, the Jesus way of doing things is so backwards to the way we would ever do things. It's like Jesus is going, let me have it. I mean, when we look at the famous last words of Jesus, we have to walk away with this thought in mind. Amazing grace wouldn't be amazing if it was just fair. Who wants to write that song? Fair grace, how sweet the sound. That doesn't sound sweet at all. Fair grace. No, the only reason it's amazing is because something was was let go of that was egregious. That's the only way that it's going to be amazing. It's only amazing grace because somebody did something awful and was let off the hook. So the question I have for you this weekend is what would it look like for you to let them off the hook? And I know what you're thinking. Who's them? The people in your life that you think got more than they deserve. The people in your life you've been comparing your portion to. Let them have their portion. The life of Jesus and the grace of Jesus Christ 
should lead us towards generosity towards people, not animosity. We should be glad that somebody got what they didn't deserve in light of the fact that you and I are in a group of people that got what we did not deserve. We should treat every single person we meet like we are people that won the lottery because we did. So why am I worried about what they got and me thinking whether or not they deserve it when I'm a recipient of amazing grace? So because I'm a recipient of amazing grace, I should give that away. Is there anybody in your life right now that you need to let off the hook? Maybe proverbially. Maybe it's just in your mind a little bit. Maybe it's just this person you keep following, you keep looking at, you keep seeing them across the way. And you've got this internal war in your head about your portion versus their portion. What would it look like if you let it go? Is there anybody in your life that you've got some tension with that actually is the leading candidate in your life right now for, keyword, amazing grace? What I'd encourage you to do this weekend is maybe make a tough phone call. What I encourage you to do this weekend is maybe send a tough email. And if it's hard for you to do that, you're in the right place. If it's hard, because if there's this person that you're thinking of right now, you're going, anybody but them. Yep, perfect candidate for amazing grace. Not fair grace. Same day paradise type of grace. That's what I think we get when we, when we look at these famous last words of Jesus. You be with me in paradise. Look at who he's talking to. Man, shouldn't we be extensions of the same thing? Now, a third of you are all thinking the same question. And this is the third of you that love the Bible, perhaps you're Bible nerds, and you, you have a particular question about today's text. Hey, where's paradise? The one-third right there. You see that? Told you. Told you. So many scholars have debated. What is paradise? Heaven's an option. Is it Abraham's bosom? Is this 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 holding place? Is it Hawaii? Did he just meet him at a beach? I mean, like, there's lots of speculation around what paradise really is. But can can I give you... My scholarly observation about what I think paradise is that is available to each and every one of us right here, right now. Paradise is wherever Jesus is. Wherever Jesus is. We can go to Iowa. If Jesus is there, that's paradise. Wyoming, Hawaii, China. Tokyo, Belize, Dubai. 
Swaziland, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Fort Worth, McKinney, Plano, wherever you are. If you invite Jesus there, that's paradise. I'll take it any day of the week. And what most people don't know is they think that what they've done keeps them from paradise. But what we learn from Jesus' famous last words is that paradise is available to you right here, right now. If you've never taken a moment to surrender your life to Jesus, I'd encourage you to do that this weekend. I'd encourage you maybe to find a place in your home where you just, man, just fall to your knees. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't want to follow Christianity. I'm not following a church, Jesus. I want, to, I want to follow you. I want to look to you. I want to look to your scriptures. I want to look to your word. And Lord, would you lead me and guide me? Would you point my life in the direction it's supposed to go? Would you point my relationships in the way that they're supposed to go? And my friend, I think when you do that, you will find yourself bringing paradise wherever you are. You won't have to get on a plane to go there. That's what Jesus offered to a man on a cross. And I believe that's what Jesus offers us today. God, I thank you so much for this amazing church. I pray, God, that we would take your son's famous last words seriously. And I pray that we would realize that there is nothing that we can't bring to you. And that now is always the perfect time to turn things around. That we can always come to you. And God, I pray that we would be extensions of your amazing grace to the world around us. Lord, for those people that we think don't deserve it, may we realize we're the people that don't deserve it. And may we extend it to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.